0: Welcome to the podcast of the European Society of Anesthesiology and Intensive Care. Uh, good morning from um, cloudy Denmark. Uh, I'm your host today and I'm uh, Dr. Peter Kierkegaard. And I'm working together with our invited professor, Finn Radke, in the uh, University Hospital of New falster Felster in Denmark. And uh, today we will be speaking about uh, challenging dogmas in geriatric anesthesiology. Um, Finn Ratke is uh, an experienced um, researcher in delirium and he has got plus 20 years of uh, research in this uh, topic and he's actually newly elected chairperson for the committee of uh, geriatric uh, anesthesia in uh, SAIC and uh, i think that's the reason why you came finn so uh, welcome and good morning from my side of the the microphone um hi hi peter thank you very much
1: and um On equal terms, I would like to welcome you also, and I'm sitting in my home office in uh, Potsdam, Germany, and if I look out into my uh, yard, I can tell you the weather is as bad in Potsdam as it is right now in Denmark.
0: Yeah, I could imagine. So um, we only have uh, approximately 15 minutes for this talk, so I'll uh, get right on with it. we're about to talk to about the dogmas in geriatric anesthesia. And in my point of view, uh, suddenly, during the last uh, um, five or 10 years, suddenly this has become a, a fuss about it. And people are really going to get into it. And they're starting to be really interested about it. So from your perspective, um, what are the challenging challenging uh, points in anesthesia? And, and why do this suddenly become popular among uh, peers? Um thank you, peter, for, for for this question. And there are um,
1: a lot of subpoints, actually, how we could uh, a lot of angles, how we could um, uh, answer this question. For one, why this topic has um, presented itself uh, more on center stage in the last years is, of course, because uh, besides getting through the surgery, especially elderly patients and uh, or the, the the geriatric patient population, is of course much more, keenly interested in um, getting through the surgery and also being able to uh, live their life as they were able to do it before they received the surgery. And this kind of um, directs or redirects the, um, the focus of patients Also, not just on the surgery itself and the immediate um, uh, period after the surgery, but also how they are uh, afterwards. I think that is a a very important issue that we as uh, anesthesiologists also need to hone in on. And if you look at the pure statistics of um, how um, geriatric anesthesia has developed and uh, is developing, you can say that almost more than 50% of the surgical procedures nowadays are performed on, on patients older than uh, 65 years of age. So just by the pure volume, we can see that this is an absolute, um, uh, again, center stage uh, topic that we um, uh, need to focus upon. And obviously, this is um, made for the uh,
0: subcommittee 15 of the ESAIC uh, geriatric anesthesia that we need to um, focus on this. Anything else that you are thinking that that is the reason why suddenly this is 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 something that people are interested in. Some, uh, in my point of view, suddenly you know people are talking about these process CGs and they are talking about you know different kind of, of new uh, uh, tools to to adjust our anesthesia. What what yeah. do you think? Could it could it this be a, p- a part of the the reason why it been, become uh, interesting for people to do? A, what do you think?
1: Uh, well, I I think all the Possibilities we have, and all the, the new or fairly new technological technological um, uh, items that we can introduce, uh, are of course one one part of the uh, or part of the reason why why the focus lies there. But um, I think from the. From the research and from the clinical perspective, it is also, and especially from my direction, I, I, as you mentioned before, I'm, my research topic is postoperative delirium and cerebral dysfunctions. It is um, especially in line with the, the relevance of or the patient uh, uh, focus on, on, on their postoperative outcomes. It's also very much justified that we know that especially in geriatric patients, cerebral outcomes or negative cerebral outcomes are the most common disturbance after after these uh, anesthesia-surgical uh, uh, intervention, and that is um, that is uh, of course an area of concern. If we um, if we uh, have outcomes, and especially in a subgroup, the geriatric patients have outcomes that are uh, almost with incidences up to in some population up to 80%
0: that, that develop these disturbances. so so what sh- how should we uh, go on from this now we uh, we we know that we, we have some extra tools to to make sure that that the, the risk of developing delirium post operative is, is reduced but but what else could we do you know in in our department we are talking very much about the 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 the, the patient reported outcomes what are your thoughts about this well um <clears throat> That's you're touching on a very general topic. How should we
1: benchmark quality in anesthesia? And uh, you you know as well as I do that uh, up to now, basically is uh, did the patient um, uh, uh, survive? Is the blood pressure to some extent stable, even though there we have very liberal boundaries for stable blood pressure? And then basically if the patient um, uh, uh, awakes after surgery and is, is brought to the recovery room, as long as the patient is not dead, was breathing to some extent and it has has a pulse and does not have dental damages and um has not ha- had awareness during uh, anesthesia then usually most anesthesiologists never really hear again of how how their how 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 the outcome of this um, uh, anesthesia was from the patient's perspective and that is of course um uh, if you take a couple of steps back and and look at look at it from the outside how can it be that a um uh, let's say a, a academic profession, as we as we are all are. How can it be that we do things in the daily routine and never re- really receive objective uh, feedback in regard to how our patients are doing? And that that is uh, uh, especially in a population, as I said before, geriatric uh, patients, where there is a very high incidence of certain um, um, uh, outcomes. That is, to some extent, unacceptable and very hard to understand. If if you, if you take a couple of steps back, of course, there's a good reason why this has developed in that direction, but it's not um, it's not something that we um, should uh, tolerate uh, uh, forever, to some extent.
0: So, so how do we go on with this? Uh, I I know that that we've been working on this uh, project called the Safe Brain Initiative which is a, a tool actually doing two things. You know. One thing is bridging the, the guidelines to clinical practice, but also collecting uh, post-operative and perioperative data from the patients. So, so how should we use tools like this to, to improve outcome? Um, and, and how should we, um, what can you say, make sure that other people are using them as well? Have you, um, what, 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 what can we do to, to improve quality in, in all of Europe, actually? Well, that
1: you're touching on an interesting topic. The, the one thing is that, of course, improving quality. Uh, the, there are very general rules for improving quality, and this is um, this is complex to some extent. It's easy, but it's also very uh, complex in some matters. Because I mean, including outcomes, making outcome visible is is, is fairly easy in theory, but then. And, and giving the feedback to the department and to the individual anesthesiologists is is, is get, getting complex. So, a very um, uh, let's say, a, a very a very good solution or very easy to 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 implement solution would be to 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 develop solutions that are uh, usable for for anybody being interested or anybody being motivated in, in improving these outcomes to share to some extent a, a platform solution in that. No? And um, that requires of course a little bit of, of uh, a coordination and um, let's say um,
0: interaction between um, a different uh, departments also different specialists. Could could you try to describe the the basic principle of, of, of safe brain initiative? Because we, we have a platform, we have a website, and we have a, a, a case report form also. But could you try to just be a little bit more uh, precise on what we're actually using this tool?
1: yeah, so so uh, the, the basic principle is, of course, that we have we are not lacking information on how to improve outcomes in geriatric patients. There are numerous guidelines that uh, help us kind of hone in on the on the most uh, or, or the most pertinent or most relevant um, uh, items or topics that we need to introduce into clinical routine in order to improve outcomes. But what we are lacking, though, is the transfer of from guidelines into clinical action or into actionable points in the clinical routine. And again, um, and and just as a little sideline, all these recommendations that you find in guidelines in order to improve geriatric outcome in patients are non-invasive. So um, uh, when you look, and this is something that we always need to do in in anesthesia or in medicine in general, is to look at the um, risk-benefit side of implementing new new items. And that is, there's no doubt in anesthesia and geriatric anesthesia, that there's a Hardly or no risk and a very high benefit of doing that. So by implementing these uh, recommendations from uh, uh, geriatric and, and other uh, guidelines into the routine to the benefit of elderly patients, uh, we are causing uh, no no harm to the patient or no potential harm. We're just uh, using benefits. So how do we best do this? And this is what the uh, Safe Brain Initiative uh, is, is aiming for, of simplifying the implementation uh, uh, approach of using these recommendations in the clinical routine on one side. So uh, having, let's say, small um, uh, item or or operationalized uh, uh, items that you can use in the the daily routine. And on the other side, we are monitoring how these items actually affect patient's outcome. And that is a, a, a bit more complex. Even though it sounds simple, it's a bit more complex because standardizing the intra-individual change, standardizing and monitoring the intra individual change in patients is um, is is uh, uh, in, in regard to the implementation side complex because you you need to bring the whole anesthesia team, nurses as well as doctors, up to speed to how this actually should be monitored. And this is not rocket scientistry, but it takes a little bit of uh, let's say in, in teaching effort to 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 getting this done, but the reward. In regard to patients' outcome, but also satisfaction from the from the um, uh, let's say the clinicians and the nurses, and, and as well as to the economic re- reward, is um, uh, to some extent um, uh, 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 let's uh, let's say pronounced.
0: Um, and 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 I know you we've been doing or you've been doing this for five six years now. Um, are there any uh, clinical improvements? How can you do? You, do you have data proving that this is a good way of doing it?
1: Well, but first of all, that, that is there's this uh, 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 the, the, let's say the non-scientific reports of colleagues that they notice suddenly that patients in the recovery room are in a totally different stage than they used to be. Uh, in the old days, it was very, very, very often that you had patients in the recovery room still sleeping or being um, let's say deeply affected by analgesic and sedative medication you would uh, as most colleagues know with a raw state of minus two and sometimes even minus three and compared to that and this i've seen in or seen and heard in in three different hospitals that suddenly the patients come to the recovery room and they're awake and this is what one of the aims of safe brain Initiative is that that the immediate post-operative outcome that we don't have such an uh, overhang of of uh, uh, anesthesia uh, medication sedatives as well as uh, anal- an analgesic tool so so to some extent to optimize these uh, two parts in it and of course we we, we um, follow the uh, we do a systematic analysis of all our uh, of all our patients outcome and can also see that uh, in these last five years, we reduced our own, and I'm I'm just talking about our own backyard now, our own anesthesia recovery room data, that we reduced the incidence of um, post-operative delirium in in our recovery room by uh, two-thirds. So we we started initially with, uh, I think, in the first month we had uh, in our collective a, a incidence of close to twenty percent in the recovery room of patients that fulfilled the uh, the new desk uh, delirium criteria and and now we are uh, and then in the in the last year we're down somewhere around five uh, percent sometimes five point two five point three and then four point nine percent so there's really a substantial um a decrease in the incidence of of uh, um, of, of delirium and uh, in all in full um in light of this, of course, it's not only delirium, it's, it's also pain, nausea, vomiting, stress, anxiety, and other outcomes that have also been highly affected just by the pure fact that the department is getting feedback on how the patients are in the recovery room. And that in a rapid cycle, so you can really adjust your, um, your, your anesthesia, your daily anesthesia practice to um, uh, the outcome that's actually visible in the, uh,
0: in, in the recovery room. So, in, in, it it sounds like you're you're really doing a, a triangle of things, and and in in my perspective, this is exactly what you learn when you do lean courses, for example. The lean management is is about making sure that the the customer, in this case, the patient, is having a, a a high quality. You may have to be sure that the that the staff is is satisfied with the the way we do things and And, and you you're touching a little bit about the the efficiency or the financial side of this. Do you have any you know comments about how the financial side will will, uh, will be, uh, be uh, improved doing this uh, safe brain initiative? Um, um, this is a, uh, uh, of course. Well,
1: let me let me answer it a little bit more broadly. It's, there's no art in it to improve quality if you have all the resources in the world. But of, obviously, we all live in, in the real world, so it's important that we, when we improve outcome, we also have, need to take care of the economy, and we also need to take care that our. Also, a very valuable resource, our colleagues, nurses, as well as doctors are not um, are not being, um, let's say, um, uh, stretched too, too, too much in this process. So, obviously, in the Safe Brain Initiative, we focus on all three parts. patient outcome, which we call the SBI core. Then we call it on the economic side, which we call the SBI MUDA, where we see the patient needs to be, it needs to have a smooth process through the perioperative uh, pathway. And thirdly, it's the spi ask where we focus on the staff, how satisfied they are with how we are treating our patients in our department. All three need to point in the right direction in order to say this has been a, a successful approach. And
0: this is our uh, aim in, in, in the Safe Brain Initiative. Well, Finn, that's, that sounds very, very interesting. And and I think this is also kind of an invitation for people listening to the podcast to to reach out to. To you and see if, if we can have some kind of, of collaboration regarding this matter. So, I think this is um, this is the time that we we are allowed to use almost fifteen minutes. So so thank you everyone for listening to this episode, uh, and just be aware that the psych is releasing monthly podcasts uh, on the website and various streaming platforms. So uh, hopefully uh, able to to join another time as well, and thank you very much
1: to you, Finn, for, yes. for your time thank you very much peter for for for, for being there and um, asking this question. Thank you. bye.